Listening to WMNF Tampa, music and news. You are tuned to WMNF Radio 88.5 FM, your community radio station. This is Community Speaks, one more hour of public affairs programming. And we're going to talk about some issues. Take your telephone calls as usual in your emails. You know, the auto strikes, the workers auto strike against Detroit's Big Three went into its fourth day on today. And there are no signs of an early breakthrough. And against the threat that the walkout could soon spread, there's only limited walkouts right now. A strategic strike by the United Auto Workers. Uh, But I want to talk also about the second shoe that should drop in all of this. And that is the idea that the electric car maker could lead to some troubles in terms of the numbers of workers. You only need half the workers to build electric vehicles because there's just fewer parts in an engine for a battery. So we could talk about that. And uh, there's a lot of uh, strikes that have been going on. As Secretary, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reminded us, she said strikes by Hollywood writers and actors, by workers at 150 Starbucks locations and walkouts that were narrowly averted at the United Parcel Service and West Coast Ports. This has all been driven by a strong labor market and high demand for workers. You know, since the pandemic, we have seen worker shortages across the board. And in the middle of all the politics, you know, we have to worry. We have to concern ourselves with people working. And we can talk about the brave new world of technology, but the old world of politics as well. We're going to look at the elections that are coming up. We can talk also, as we look at the worker strikes, the Census Bureau is releasing data about life in the United States. We're going to talk about child poverty and the rise in poverty as time has gone on before and after the pandemic. So, you know, they talk about the child poverty in the U.S. jumped and income declined in 2022 as the coronavirus pandemic benefits ended. And commuting makes a comeback as employees try to put the pandemic in the rearview mirror. But there are a lot of people who have who were working uh, at home from home before the pandemic and they want that to continue. So we could talk about poverty rate, uh, especially dealing with the black population. Uh, It's been there's been a conversation about the black population. Poverty rate fell below pre-pandemic levels. We could talk about all of that data that's coming from the census department here on Community Speaks today. My name is Patro Mobili, your host for Community Speaks. And of course, Irene is standing by waiting to take your telephone calls. The number to call, of course, is 813-239-9663. And you can also write an email so that we can read your comments. And uh, we'll talk about... Uh, what you have to say as well, you can also write DJ at WMNF.org. So this is Community Speaks. And, uh, of course, every Monday we try to come your way with some information as well as your thoughts 
uh, about the world around us. And there's a lot that's been happening. We're also here in the state of Florida looking at the possibility of the Florida Supreme Court taking on the congressional maps, uh, hoping that they'll be fast-tracked. Attorneys on both sides are asking that Florida's congressional map be fast-tracked to the state Supreme Court. And a lot of people are concerned about the state Supreme Court as well as the national Supreme Court. We're going to, I want to just share a little bit of this story with, as, we, as it deals with these congressional maps. Uh, you say both sides want the case resolved before the start of Florida's legislative session in January. Uh, the attorneys for the minority advocacy groups have been suing over the maps and the state council uh, has been defending the maps and they both jointly filed a court request saying that the case needs to be resolved as soon as possible. Uh, there were documents filed after uh, days after a circuit court judge ruled Florida's current map drawn by Governor Ron DeSantis' staff violates the state constitution. And Leon Circuit Judge Lee Marsh said lawmakers need to draw new lines in North Florida and create a district where black voters can elect a candidate of their choice. Uh, Marsh uh, agreed, this circuit judge agreed with plaintiff groups led by Black Voters Matter Power Building Institute that the, the DeSantis map violated the Fair Districts Amendment in the Constitution approved by voters back in 2010. And uh, this map dismantled a district put in place by the Florida Supreme Court in 2015 that spanned from Tallahassee to Jacksonville, while that district elected a former U.S. Representative Al Lawson, who is a black Democrat, over three, elect uh, over three election cycles, the district ha uh, was broken up, and North Florida was left with only one majority white and Republican-leaning district. Um, attorneys for... The Florida Secretary of State and the legislature argue that the U.S. Constitution's Equal Protection Clause required reconfiguring Lawson's district because it was drawn primarily based on race. In circuit court, the circuit judge says lawmakers must draft and consider new maps. And with that remedy in mind, attorneys in the case agree it's important the case reaches conclusion before the start of this legislative session, which convenes on January 9th. Uh, Candidates for Congress in 2024 can qualify beginning on April 8th, adding even more urgency for anyone who's considering a run for office. So attorneys for both sides have reached a stipulation agreement before a scheduled trial. In that agreement, the state conceded that the new congressional map diminished black voting power in North Florida, relying on the equal protection argument and plaintiffs agreed to reduce uh, arguments to a single court hearing instead of a two-week trial and dropped any challenge to the map outside of North Florida. And the hope for both sides in the agreement was to reach a conclusion before every Florida congressional office goes up for re-election again next year. And so we're looking to, to see if that's going to be fast-tracked and if there's going to be some fairness in all of that and reversal of these districts that have diminished black voting power and we this is focused on north florida but this is a, something that we have to be watchful mindful of 
across the state and across the country that we're seeing that the Supreme Court have, have had to uh, go back and look at the fairness of these maps, which is another way of suppressing voters in this country. There's still a need for some elements of this country's politics to suppress votes. Uh, on another, some other news, uh, maybe on a, some more good news, the, there's a Florida Civil Rights Museum that is going to be opening, uh, launching it's and it's going to launch an in-state website in a virtual exhibit. So another way of seeing something without having to leave the comfort of your home, the Florida Civil Rights Museum uh, will focus on post-Reconstruction civil rights history in Tallahassee and Leon County, which is you know an interesting part of Florida's history because of the uh, engagement in slavery. Uh, highlighting contributions, this is uh, going to be highlighting contributions from people of all races to the ongoing battle for equality through rotating exhibits. In the first exhibit, which goes live this Thursday, called FloridaCivilRightsMuseum.org, it is uh, going to be entitled They Made a Difference. It features 30 men and women who distinguished themselves in education, civil rights, politics, journalism, and even in business, and those who fought for civil rights for all Floridians. Uh, this is a kickoff exhibit will feature uh, photographs and artifacts and biographical material and other interactive features presented through 3D virtual augmented reality exhibitions. Uh, it should be interesting. That's going to be FloridaCivilRightsMuseum.org. Uh, and as I said, uh, we're going to be revisiting a lot of these history uh, issues, the this need to suppress history in this state has become part of the political uh, culture wars in this state. And uh, black churches have had to step up to uh, ensure that the truth will be taught to the children of Florida. Uh, it's an interesting prospect given that, you know, there's a lot of misinformation that has been given and we're going to be very vigilant on what history is being taught, not only in schools, but also in these churches. Uh, so it helps to have the, these museums, and it's going to help to have the Florida Museum exhibition online, at least for starters. The first exhibit will feature a, a white former state attorney general and a Supreme Court chief justice who fought for desegregation, as well as a black former Florida A&M University student who died in 1967 under questionable circumstances while registering voters in Mississippi. Uh, a future exhibits, future exhibits will include a series such as the I Am Oratorical Series, a youth-led initiative that allows kids to assume the identity of a civil rights or education pioneer. And the students' presentations will be taped and posted to that website. And there will be other exhibits that would include the Florida Freedom Trail, which is designed to preserve the stories and the legacies associated with historic sites that hold significance in the civil rights movement. Uh, the One of the founders of the National Association for the Preservation of African-American History and Culture is uh, one of the originators, pioneers of this museum, and uh, also a retired Florida A&M administrator uh, would be one of the 
persons who are keeping this museum as well as the civil as well as the website which again is florida civil rights museum.org uh but i do want to hear from you we of course this is a community uh speaks this program is called community speaks so i do want to hear from you 813-239-9663 as we're dealing with a number of of stories the biggest of which this morning is the workers strike and uh, the focus is on the UAW, but there are other businesses and workers who are trying to deal with the economic reality in this country right now. And as we talk, as I mentioned earlier, there's a Census Bureau report that talks about the uh, poverty rate in this country uh, post-pandemic and pre-pandemic. Uh, yeah. So the poverty rate for the black population fell below pre-pandemic levels, according to the Census Bureau. Uh, The 2022 poverty rate for the black population fell to a record low, even after accounting for survey and methodological changes uh, to the Census Bureau's long-running survey. Uh, This survey that I'm looking at right now, poverty rate for black individuals, rich spans from 1959 to 2021 has been a consistent fall, even though it's not been a quick fall. Uh, the population as of March the, of the following year, 2022, the, uh, actually the data for 2017 and beyond reflect the implementation of an updated processing system. So they've been changing the way they've been counting the poverty rate, and I'm not sure, you know, how people will feel about this estimate, but the people's quality of life, it, it's important to look at people's quality of life. Uh, racial inequalities persist despite this overall decline in the poverty rate for black individuals. Racial inequalities continue to persist. Uh, groups with uh, For example, black individuals made up 20% of the population in poverty in in 2022, but only 13.5% of the total population. This results in a ratio of 1.5, meaning that the black population was overrepresented in poverty. The Hispanic population was also overrepresented in poverty. Same ratio, 1.5%. Ratios for the black and Hispanic populations were not statistically different from one another, the American Indian and, and Alaska Native population ratio of 2.2 was the most overrepresented in poverty. The non-Hispanic, white, and Asian individuals were underrepresented in poverty with a ratio of 0.8, not statistically different from one another. And the ratio of the two or more races population was not statistically different, meaning that this group was neither over nor underrepresented in population, uh, in poverty, rather. So this is uh, interesting coming from the Census Bureau. And so that's why workers, especially after the pandemic, has been very worried about quality of life, have been worried about economic progress issues. And when you look at the culture war issues, the idea of people being discriminated against because of race has been growing. So... We are 
you know, studying through the Census Bureau measures of poverty, and each year the census releases two measures of poverty, the official poverty measure and then the supplemental poverty measure. The official poverty measure, as I said, has been available since back to 1959, defines poverty by comparing pre-tax money income to a national poverty threshold adjusted by family size, the number of children in the age of the householder. Uh, but the supplemental power measure, uh, poverty measure available since 2009 extends the official poverty measure by accounting for federal and state taxes, work and medical expenses, geographic variation in housing, and several government programs designed to assist low-income families. And while the official poverty measure showed poverty rates declining between 2021 and 2022 for black individuals, the supplemental poverty showed an increase of 11 to in 2021, 11% in 2021 to 17% in 2022. So it increased. And this large increase in supplemental poverty uh, measurement, uh, poverty was due to the expiration of pandemic safety net programs like stimulus payments and expanded refundable tax credits. These policies contributed to record low supplemental poverty measurement rates in 2021 or both the total and or for both the total population and the black populations. Uh, so we got to talk more about how the Census Bureau is measuring poverty in this moment. But how do workers feel? How do you feel? And workers are very concerned, which is why we're seeing widespread strikes, even though, as Janet Yellen says, workers are more feel more empowered, which is why it's easier to go on strike. Uh, the need for them to go on strike is still important. And uh, companies may or may not be listening to workers in terms of what they need, you know, what, what their level of pay is needed, what, uh, whether or not they need more time off. You know, UAW is calling for a four-day work week and at least a 40% raise in pay. And uh, there are people who are having a hard time making ends meet given the level of pay at this moment. And when, as the UAW workers has been pointing out, the auto industry has been making record profits and have been uh, giving record bonuses to the CEO, those at the top of the companies. Uh, but the workers have had to push and push and push for some degree of equality, while at the same time, we know that the companies have been threatening that, well, I don't know if you can call it a threat, but workers feel threatened by the idea that their companies, these companies are going to need fewer workers to build electric vehicles as we continue to move down that road, uh, high technology, and this need to replace fossil fuel vehicles. So, you know, you could be for both. You could be for higher technology and automaking, but also for workers who are going to be threatened. Uh, as, you know, we always see in technological uh, whenever there's a revolution in productivity, uh, especially with technology is, is, is concerned, and we ad eventually adapt, uh, but how many workers are going to be left behind? And 
you know, people, that's a very real concern for these workers. So a lot of people are supporting the workers empowering themselves, striking to empower themselves and, and prepare themselves for the future. 813-239-9663 is the number to call as you are already starting to write. Someone has written and said they've been trying to call. I didn't see that call. Uh, you could also, I think they were trying to text, actually. <laughs> you could text me as well. 813-433-0885. 813-433-0885. But we're waiting for your call. Irene is waiting for your calls. 813-239-9663. We can hear your voices on the air here on Community Speaks. You're tuned to public affairs programming here in the middle of the afternoon as we get ready to get back to the music. I want to hear from you as we talk about poverty, as we talk about fairness, especially in politics, uh, in, in drawing congressional maps. And uh, we're also talking about the quality of life. Uh, but one emailer has written, it looks like the subject matter has to do with the strikes. And um, he said he is a, a Chrysler UAW retiree, has been there for 32 years. And when he started, it was $8 an hour in 1976. That was great pay at that moment. And then this emailer retired at $35 an hour, a desk job. So actually, I think this emailer is female saying that her husband worked the assembly line, got paid way less Worked his butt off more than this emailer did for sure. And so this emailer is pro-strike because those employees have always been shortchanged. So I think that's the feeling of a lot of people in this country as we wake up this morning to the fourth day of the auto worker strike. Even as Janet Yellen says, this reflects uh, more empowered workers, uh, uh, the reflects a, a strong labor market uh, because there's a high demand for workers. Uh, these companies are trying to shortchange workers even as CEO pay and bonuses have risen. So in the sign of the potential economic and political uh, impact of a long strike, the pr president, President Joe Biden, is sending two top administrative officials to Detroit this week to meet with both sides. Uh, Joe Biden has sided with the UAW, at least in brief public comments, saying that the automakers have not fairly shared their record profits with workers. And so as, you know, one of the administration officials said that acting Labor Secretary Julie Sue and senior aide Gene Sperling will not serve as mediators. They won't be at the bargaining table, but they are going to Detroit to help support the negotiations in any way the parties feel is constructive. The official was not authorized to discuss private discussions and spoke anonymously, but UAW President Sean Fine said today that my administration won't actually broker the deal rather than launching an all-out strike. As I said, 146,000 members, the union opted to target three factories, one at each company, a plan that could make the union's $825 million strike fund last longer because it is more strategic. Uh, it's supposed, you know, it, ha it has its, its downfall possibly because as of today, we know that some workers have been laid off at one of the targeted plants that only makes, I think, engines 
they laid the rest of the workers off because they said if you can't get the parts made for the engines, then there's no reason for these workers to be coming in to work at the moment. Uh, so that puts a lot of pressure on the parties to try to make a get a breakthrough uh, at on this fourth day of the United Auto Workers strike. Uh, 813-239-9663 is the number to call if you want to talk to me here on Community Speaks. My name is Patrick Mobili. Raising a few issues as of this morning, talking about the poverty rate, talking about workers uh, going on strike and trying to prepare themselves for the brave new world of technology as time moves on. Uh, I'm certain that a lot of of, of people who are going to be consumers of this technology uh, want workers to be strong. Uh, and they want the technology to work. They want the cars to work. Uh, they don't want to be uh, in unsafe vehicles uh, because companies wanted to cut corners. So this is all something that we all have a hand in and should all care about. So as we wake up this morning, we're watching very closely all of these issues from cost of living, uh, quality of life, and quality of work. We're going to go to the telephone lines, 813-239-9663, first off to Lakeland, and speak with Joe, see what Joe has to say in the face of all of this. Go ahead, Joe. You're on Community Speaks. Thank you for calling. Yes, sir, man. Great topic again, Mambili. Hey, listen, this, this, uh, these layoffs to me are, are reciprocity, actually, I believe, that they are uh, you know, using these layoffs as a form of retribution hmm. against the UAW, uh, if you ask me, uh, my opinion, um, and I agree with you 100%. A friend of mine this morning shared on Facebook the actual graph of the profits made by the auto industry, the CEO pay increase, the cost of the product, the product, and the worker pay. Mm-hmm. Guys, it, it is miserable the amount that the difference is is astronomical that the amount the cars have gone up everyone knows uh, everything's gone up after covid yet they're increasing the ceo pays they're taking record profits and they don't want to give the workers anything and they know we're all suffering from cost of living increases fuel increases Mm -hmm. to and from work and the very vehicles they're creating um and now here in florida the republican lawmakers backed by the Republican governor, has just approved a $200 uh, uh, price payment for any electric vehicle uh, tax or however you want to put it so that they will get their hands in on on, on any. So, you know, you think that, oh, I'll, I'll get an electric vehicle to help the environment to do this. Well, they're going to get their hands in on that, too. So it, it, it's all over that the, the government... And, you know, uh, these, these profiteers is what I call them, mm-hmm. are trying to, to milk Americans. And, and, and our, only, our only reciprocity is, is to strike and to, uh, to be a part of a union. Guys, look, unions have your back. America was changed on the back of unions. Child labor, uh, your safety features that you have at your job, these car safety features. Mm-hmm. All of these things that were 
were formulated and and and, uh, and brought about by union. And and for anyone who's not for the union, look what just happened with FedEx, UPS, mm-hmm. the, the airline industry, the the stewardess, uh, flight attendant, all these things, guys. Police officers and firefighters, y'all have union. <laughs> I don't hear you going up in arms about that. Mm, of course not. So, we need to have our eyes open about, you know, what the, the, the pros and cons are, uh, why these workers are asking for these. Uh, they're validated. It's very valid, especially in today's environment. Uh, we, we've got to, we, you know, we've got to at least, you know, look at what Amazon did. They, they, they basically bullied the unions out of Amazon. Um, they don't want, they don't want their workers to have any rights outside of what little rights they want to give them. Uh, they want to control their pay, their hours, they work them to death, uh, you know, and, and they don't want to pay them anything for it. And they have no, repre- 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 you know what I'm trying to say, yeah. representation, basically, uh, against that type of tyranny. It, mm. it's, um, it's sad here in America. And, and, and the Biden administration is trying, and, and yet they don't want to try to say uh, we're putting our neck on the foot of the auto industry. Well, because why? Because it's jobs, and they're going to, you know, the job numbers are going to be part of the numbers that they're going to rely on to, to when they go before America and say, hey, we did this and this, labor's down, you know, your production's up. So I get it. They're trying to stay neutral, but at the same time, trying to be involved. And, uh, and, and that's the perspective I see them taking in this. Yeah. Well, it like you covered up pretty much all of the issues here in terms of what's at play. So thank you. Thank you for that, Joe. Thank you for calling. Yes, sir. 813-239-9663 is the number to call. We're waiting on your telephone calls. So before I take a a short break, let me just go back to the telephone lines and see what Phil in Pinellas County has to say. Go ahead, Phil. You're on Community Speaks. Hi. How are you doing today? Pretty good. So, yeah, back in the late, 70s, early 80s, I was in the auto industry up in Michigan, and there was almost a strike, and then they settled a contract, and one of the big things that we did win was there was going to be uh, profit sharing. So yeah. after that first year, we did get, we, I, you know, everyone got maybe 100 to $200 a piece for, you know, on one of our checks after the fiscal year was done. And then the next year, we all got free quarter pounders with ma- or quarter pounders with cheese or a Big Mac coupon. <laughs> no, our, I swear to God, for our profit sharing, they said that the profits weren't enough to even give us. So they were going to be kind enough to buy us a burger at McDonald's. <laughs> That's crazy. And have you ever heard of the yeah. profits not being there for a CEO bonus pay? Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, you know, of course, the profits are after the, you know, bonus pay and everything the way I saw it. But what can you do, you know? But then the other best thing the union did was uh, negotiated a plan for us to take a buyout and get out of there. I did that in the mid-80s, and I've been in Florida ever since, and I thank God that I'm here. All right. Me too. Thank you for calling. You were here to call. If I may, if I may, one more comment. Certainly. Unfortunately, Florida's a uh, right-to-work state. 
Yeah. So I did work at the post office down in Fort Myers for a little bit back in the late 80s, early 90s, and that is still union, but you don't have to join the union if you don't want to. If you want to join the union and pay the union dues, which is your right, then, you know, everything's under the union. But the non-people that did not want it, you still had to be, uh, the union still had to support you and fight for you, even though you weren't going to pay the union any money to do that for you. Right. That's a wonderful work to write, Dave. So, anyways, have a good day. Thank you, bye. Thank you for calling. You too, bye-bye. Hey, it's Christina with a WMNF public service announcement. The annual National Drive Electric Day Electric Vehicle Show is taking place at Munn Park in downtown Lakeland on Saturday, September 23rd from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Owners of many makes and models will display their electric vehicles and answer questions regarding performance, cost, range, maintenance, and charging stations. For more information or to register to participate, go to driveelectricweek.org, D-R-I-V-E-E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-W-E-E-K.org. Thanks. You are tuned to the Community Speaks program. We're talking about UAW work strike and uh, a number of issues. And uh, we're going to also, we're taking your telephone calls on all of these issues and your emails, dj at wmnf.org is the number to call. dj at wmnf.org is the place to write. The number to call, of course, is 813 239 9663 if you want to join a discussion uh, uh, we were just uh, mentioning the UAW strikes and the fact of the matter is electric vehicle uh, is going to require fewer workers as time goes on so we're, we're going to be watching we're seeing how important it is for workers to, to speak up and prepare for that future and uh, we're going to continue to talk about those issues as well as, you know, equality politically. You know, we mentioned earlier about the need for both sides to draw fair congressional maps and uh, mentioned some of the uh, other issues that are at play in terms of poverty and the quality of life issues that we're facing. Uh, the Census Bureau has been measuring poverty and uh, we've been going over the fire hose of data that have come in about life in the United States. 813-239-9663. And um, I'm looking at a couple of emails here that I'm interested in. I don't seem to be able to, to open it all the way, but I'm very interested in uh, this insight uh We'll, we'll, we'll continue to try to get that, but I'm going to go back to the telephone lines. And um, one person has written us, when is WNF going to be a union, unionized? We've been here going on 44 years, uh, no union. I did think this comes from Simon. Nobody's against unionization, I don't believe. I think I heard that from management. Nobody's against it. There's nobody calling for it. Inside WMNF, we don't get paid. We are volunteers. We're, you know, we're we're doing a labor of love here, Simon. Uh, but, you know, we do have a sort of union. We have our volunteer committees. We have representation. There's a lot of things that is great about this radio station that, you know, society can organize itself from. 813 239 
9663 is the number call. Another emailer has wrote. Uh, well, we'll get back to the emails. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if those were for this particular show. Uh, but 813-239-9663 is the number to call. And I do see there are a few callers waiting to talk. So let me go straight away back to the telephone lines. I'm going to go start here in Tampa with Bob. Go ahead, Bob. You're on Community Speaks. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Hey, uh, when the artists and writers um, went on strike, I stopped streaming everything that I was streaming in, in solidarity and support. Mm-hmm. And I would like to call out to... Uh, everybody who's thinking about buying a car that it might be a good idea to stand in solidarity with the UAW by putting off a car purchase for a while until they uh, they get back they get back to work I think we owe it to them to uh, to stand stand with them and to show some support okay well, thank you Bob all right thank you eight one three two three nine nine six six three Javon of Tampa, you are on the Sunday uh, on the Committee Speaks program. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, first, I want to say that uh, there's a ton of unions in Florida, especially at the municipal and school district level. Um, you know, and unions first and foremost are the people who do the job. So whether you're in the city of St. Pete, city of Tampa, uh, county workers, every time you turn on the water in your house. When you fly, when you go through a stoplight and it's working correctly, when your kids are getting to and from school safely and they're getting an edu- getting education, those are union members who are doing that work, and it's absolutely integral to our community. Yeah. On on the education piece in particular, um, what's happened? So this there's an attack on unions in Florida right now. If it wasn't mentioned, they are now requiring all unions, public sector in the state of Florida, to have 60 percent membership. Uh, and most unions across the country don't have 60% membership, but as others have mentioned here in Florida, because it's right to work, people mm-hmm. get a lot of the benefits of the, of the union being there without actually being members. Right. But on education, um, it's, it's death by a thousand cuts. We know that uh, the conservatives in Tallahassee and all and even in our own communities, the Moms for Liberty candidates don't believe in a good public education that's accessible to everybody. So don't say gay, stop woke, um, all of these crazy bills that they're passing to make education more dysfunctional. They're also attacking the people who do the work by destroying their unions because at the end of the day, it's teachers, it's bus drivers, it's uh uh, plan operators or custodians who sit across from the table and bargain for their contracts and their wages and have it to want to have a voice in what's happening in education and protecting education so it works both for the families that are served and the people and the people who do that work is their livelihood and their service to the community. Yeah. So it is a critical moment where what's happening with unions is going to reshape what happens in Florida. Because we can look at Michigan and see when they tried to destroy unions up there. Yeah. And at that time, it was a conservative stronghold. And they passed all kinds of crazy laws. They stripped away workers' rights. And that impacts the entire, the entire economy. Yeah. So now, a decade later, they've completely reshaped their politics. It's more progressive. They've gotten their rights back. But it is going to take the community supporting unions because the unions are supporting your community every single day. Yeah, and I think that's clear. Hey, 
Thank you, Javon, for your call. Thank you. Back to the telephone line for run out of time here on Community Speaks, and then I'll read some more of your emails. See what David, I'm going to say, Pete, to see what you have to say, David. Go ahead. Hello, I agree 100% with Javon. He was very articulate in all the points. Um, I teach at an educational institution that has not been union, but it, it's trying to form a union. And we've had a total of a 6% salary increase in 10 years, a 10-year period, 6% while inflation is true, wow. like about 25%. And, uh, you know, the institution has spent over $400,000 hiring union-busting attorneys to come in here and try to, you know, gum up the works, dissuade uh, our teachers from voting. Mm -hmm. But I do want to say one thing about uh, the media tends to present the UAW uh, negotiations is asking for 40% raise, but they forget to say over a four-year period. Yeah, you're That's right. very important. This is very negative. I see, I noticed particularly Fox, uh, you know, uh, news stations, they always omit over a four-year period. And, of course, they're asking for a four-day work week, but that's part of the negotiation process, you know, that you can't just ask for what you want and expect to get that. So right. I'm sure they don't really want a four-day work week. They're just using that as a negotiation tool. Yeah, but I mean, it's, a, it's realistic to a lot of people anyways. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's a negotiation and you're also right that it is over a four-year period, which is basically 10% a year raise. Yeah, and so uh, he's totally, uh, Javon's totally right. There's a complete battle going on here. The Republican Party wants to annihilate unions across the whole country. And, uh, you know, it's part of their authoritarian uh, right. vision for, for the United States, an authoritarian vision where corporations and companies uh, rule and enslave people. That's yeah. the basic plan. Where the people are, no power at all. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. Thank you for calling from St. Pete. We go stay in St. Pete. And, uh, Tony has something to say about this governor turning down $350 million. Go ahead, Tony. You say what again? Uh, good morning. First of all, um, your previous callers referred to, to the Santos administration as conservative. No, it's reactionary. Mm -hmm. Maybe fascist would be a better term, but that's not why I called. I don't know how many people are aware that our governor turned down $350 million in energy efficiency uh, rebates that were to go to back to people in Florida, half of them to low-income people for buying energy efficiency appliances or solar energy on their uh, roofs. Oh, yeah. He turned it down. It's money we paid for in federal income tax. Right. So all that money is going to go to California or New York or wherever. Because they, this Republican government is too proud to be seen taking something from a Democratic federal from, government. From the, that's exactly right, yes. But oh, one thing, um, Representative Kathy Castor is trying to get that changed, and I would urge people who she represents in both St. Pete and Tampa to call her office and, and give her some support for that. Yeah, Kat Casters, yeah, is representing yes. this area, this district. Yes, yes. All right, thank you, thank thank you Tony. You. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And uh, 
One emailer has written, Charles wrote, uh, asked why electric vehicles need less employees. And uh, he was just wondering, but from what I understand from economists talking about this over the last week or so has that it, it does take as many parts as an, uh, an electric vehicle doesn't have as many parts as an engine. So a battery is all they're putting in the electric vehicle and it just takes fewer workers. There's so many parts in a combustion engine, but so different when it comes to an electric battery. So, you know, that's the that's the short answer as to why it just takes fewer workers. I understand from economists that it's going to take at least, it's going to be a cut. It's going to take at least a quarter less workers to build electric vehicles. 813-239-9663 is the number to call if you want to talk further about quality of life, quality of work, uh, post and pre-pandemic, and, uh, you know, just how far, how much things have changed and how much, you know, we're going to keep things the same after the pandemic because, you know, this is uh, is working for a lot of workers. Uh, the idea of working at home, uh, a lot of people, you know, there was some students who just uh, did better, you know, working virtually in school. You know, they didn't have to deal with bullying. They didn't have to deal with, you know, especially as they're dealing with now here in Florida, you know, this uh, attack on uh, transgender youth and uh, those who might be changing these these crazy bathroom laws, all of that is in the, the crazy, you know, laws against, you know, transgender playing sports. You know, a lot of that these kids didn't have to deal with anymore. So, you know, it made life a little easier for them. So we can talk about quality of life. We can talk about, you know, the ideas that are inherent in the strikes, uh, worker strikes, and uh, we're going to talk more about that as time goes on. We're watching very closely, you know, what is being uh, talked about, what is being agreed upon, and uh, what it all means, the, and analyzing what it all means to the society going forward. Uh, we're going to take a short break, give you some more information uh, when we get back here on Community Speaks. Just want to take more of your telephone calls, more of your emails. Keep it tuned right here. Reach Up Incorporated annual Affirming Fatherhood Conference on Thursday and Friday, September 21st and 22nd at the Children's Board of Hillsborough County in Tampa. Our theme, Keeping It Real, a deep dive into fatherhood, celebrates the important role that fathers and father figures play in the support of their families and children. Our guest speakers will be Ronnie Green, host and producer of A Fishing Story, and Roberto Germain, co-founder and executive director of Multicultural Classroom. Go to reachupincorporated.org under events to register or for more information. You are still tuned to Community Speaks here on your non-commercial radio station in the last few minutes. Trying to take as many of your telephone calls as we try to wrap up here. We've been talking about a number of issues that uh, we're dealing with. The worker issues, uh, the quality of life issues, uh, we are 
wondering just, you know, where it all is headed. And the workers are, UAW workers are launching an all-out strike. Not, not, let me take that back. It's not an all-out strike, but 146,000 members. The union opted to target three factories, one at each company of Ford, Stellantis, and GE, uh, GM, General Motors. Uh, but this is a... Uh, this is going to be a key feature of the strategy, as the workers are saying, is the threat of escalating the strike if the union is unhappy with the pace of bargaining. So on this past Friday, they, they the prote- uh, worker union leader, Fain, said that more factories could be targeted. It could be in a day, could be in a week. So it's just uh, another bargaining tool. To see about workers, see how workers can strengthen their position in the face of record profits, in the face of growing technological change. And, um, you know, will history repeat itself or will workers continue to empower themselves? So we're keeping a close watch on that as well as quality of life issues as the Census Bureau has released a fire hose of data, a large stream of data having to do with the quality of life. Uh, so if you're a lover of facts about life in the United States, uh, you could go to the U.S. Census Bureau and uh, look at this new release report, 2022 survey data on income, poverty, health insurance coverage, commuting times and education levels, disabilities and military service, among other topics. That's the survey data from two Census Bureau programs. And uh, it offers a glimpse of how life has changed, especially from 2021 to 2022 over the last three years. The data sets in turn give journalists, most of us, a fresh opportunity to capture the texture of life in our communities, in our listening audiences. So this is uh, something that I've been perusing over. The rate of people working from home declined uh, since the it still remained almost triple what it was before COVID-19 and uh, start of early 2020 uh, when many employees began working remotely. Child poverty more than doubled and median household income declined last year. The rate of people lacking health insurance dropped almost a half a percent in 2022. And the... Uh, foreign-born population inched up slightly, just only slightly, from 13.9. And the rate of people who spoke only English at home dropped slightly from the previous year, 78%. All of this is data that's uh, been captured by the Census Bureau. And uh, so it's interesting to go in and read about the uh, this uh, data that has been released from the Census to learn about what life is like for all of us uh, it's been broken down. You go to the U.S. Census Bureau's uh, census.gov and read about this data. Uh, but looks like uh, we're almost out of time here. But just taking on a few of your emails. Uh, one emailer has written, If cows getting milked by robots and Amazon have self-drive delivery vans, and auto industry used robots to build cars. What jobs are left for humans? Are humans uh, will be a USA government retainers and be issued uh, uh, coupons to eat and dress like a, a fascist system or going to drive the poor outside the wall 
like in the movies. I doubt it's going to get like that. But, you know, robots, you know, do have some labor-replacing quality to it, but it's also, uh, it's gonna, you're always going to need humans to do vast majority of the jobs that most middle-class people do. And uh, we're also going to need people to program those robots in those computers. Uh, so I think it's uh, it comes down to education. How can people be uh, reacclimated to this new workforce? Uh, one email has written about closing all schools. I'm not exactly sure where that's coming from, but uh, it would make huge plots of land and buildings available for real estate businesses. Uh, so not everybody does well working remotely or studying remotely. Some kids do. Some kids need that interaction, and um, it, it also helps us get prepared for the real world. Uh, but if you're being taught a skewed version of history because they want to hide behind the fact that it, that history isn't it's an age appropriate for you, then, you know, that's not a good idea uh, in terms of getting people prepared to live in the real world. But I understand that private schools are, are immune to these these laws, these anti-woke laws that are coming out of the conservatives in this state and across this country. So that's another uh, issue that we have to deal with of inequality. So it looks like we're out of time. Go ahead and get out and make room for National Public Radio News. We're going to get back to the music next hour. Uh, but after... Headlines from NPR. This has been Community Speaks. My name is Patrick Mobili. Thank you very much for your telephone calls and your emails. We're going to continue to talk about quality of life issues, of course, always here on Community Speaks. Uh, you can also join us on Sundays with Sunday Forum uh, from 8 until 10 in the morning. Uh, but Community Speaks, of course, comes your way each Monday, one extra hour from 12 to to 1 p.m. So always join me here on Mondays. Right now. More news from National Public Radio News and then we're going to get back to the music.